Greetings. I want to welcome you all to, I believe, I think this is episode six, it's hard to believe, and we've got a really special episode prepared for you today here on Pastoring on Purpose, and I want to first welcome, um, not really a guest, he's actually our leader, and I'm really excited about this episode, uh, Bishop Raymond Culpepper, uh, greetings, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Brother Tim. I'm happy to be here and honored to be here. Well, we, we really are excited because we're going to be able to talk about some of the things that you do, uh, some of the things about ministerial care, and really some things that I believe is going to be very helpful for our ministers, our families, uh, as we kind of continue to navigate through these difficult times. Raymond, the other Raymond, how are you doing, man? Good. 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 Good to be with you all. Good to see you. I mean, me and Raymond both are coming at you from the Office of Ministerial Care. And, uh, and Jeff, are you at Lee or at home? I am at Lee, and we're doing well here. We're in school and in session, have been for three weeks, and all is well. Good to be back. Looking forward to this episode. Awesome. Well, let's just, let's just go ahead and dive in um, you know, to what we're going to be talking about today. And um, Bishop, once again, it's an honor to have you, man. And you, know, you are our leader. And one of the things that um, you, you do, obviously, is you're the, you're, you're the care division or the director of the care division, I, sh I should say, the executive director. I know it sounds really fancy. Kind of give our listeners an idea of what that entails. What does the care division mean um, exactly? Because we, we have probably some Church of God people that might be listening that may not know what that is. And we're definitely going to have non-Church of God listeners that have no clue. Well, the care division I have often described is the division of the Church of God that is the bridge from the church to the world because we do so much in the care division to impact the world. One of the worlds we impact is a world of ministers, pastors, uh, and what you are doing today, Dr. Manis, you and Raymond Culpepper, and especially Jeff Sargent, uh, are one of the ways that we impact one of the worlds that we reach. I do appreciate you and Raymond, especially uh, for the, not only the vision, but the hard work both of you have done to transition and to develop so many wonderful ministries in ministerial care. I'm so proud of both of you. I don't say that as uh, condescending. I say that as, as a peer to peers, uh, so proud of what we are doing in ministerial care. And while I'm saying that, let me say it's also a special delight to join with Dr. Sargent. Uh, he is the one who made the first overture from Lee University to the care division and out of his out of his willingness to work with us uh, he has brought us into a whole new vista of what we're looking at in the future of working with uh, dr sergeant working with the uh, all of the the people now in the behavioral sciences area some of the theology area at Lee University and the Pentecostal Theological Seminary. So, Dr. Sargent, I want to thank you for, for your willingness to reach out to us first 
we should have reached out to you, but you're reaching out to us really, really has broadened and deepened our growth. And, and I appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Manis, to talk about the care division, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but we have basically seven major ministries in the care division that form that bridge to the world. One of them is ministerial care. Another is spirit care, where we care for, uh, for our retired ministers and spouses and widows and offer so many of them care. Uh, with that ministry is something called Helping Hands, where we help those ministers who are retired and living below the poverty standard. We help them with their finances and prescriptions and, and other things that we help with. Uh, the Chaplain's Commission is another ministry of the church in the care division where we have vocational chaplains and community service chaplains. They make up 16,000 different chaplains all around the world that the Church of God has trained over the years. Uh, we have the Ministry to Israel is another ministry. We have, through the Ministry to Israel, we have helped uh, over 180,000 Jews return to Israel in the recent years. We're so thankful for that ministry and, and the fact that it's, it's reaching so many people. Uh, we have spirit care uh, and restoration, which both function under under what you're doing there, you and Raymond. I think Raymond kind of heads up the restorative ministry of the church, uh, where we both not only restore people's credentials, but restore their lives. Uh, Operation Compassion is another ministry of the, the Church of God in the care division. Uh, we furnish, uh, well, we, we're a little closed down now due to the pandemic, but out of over 1 million charities in the world, this is very important, out of over 1 million charities in the world, Operation Compassion has been listed in Forbes as one of the top 100. Mm -hmm. And we are thankful that we have been able to send about 17 or 1800 containers every year to over a hundred countries in the world. Uh, we're so thankful also for another ministry, the ministry that reaches Smoky Mountain Children's Home. We're a hundred years old. Uh, we just celebrated 100 years this past December. And uh, we care for three to 400 abandoned, abused, neglected children every year with our foster care program and our, our campus program. And it is very much alive and well and, and doing a great job. Uh, we have the Spirit Care Center also. It's another ministry of the care division where we have about 30 full-time residents in our Spirit Care Center, our home in Sevierville, Tennessee, nestled there against the backdrop of the Smoky Mountains where our retirees can go and, and live. So uh, 
so many wonderful things going on in uh, the care division, the bridge to the world. Well, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things happening and um, I know a lot of people involved in those ministries and, you know, very fortunate to have such great leadership uh, in all of those uh, departments. The care division is just an umbrella that encompasses really a lot of different avenues and, and areas of care. And, and let me just say this, Dr. Manis, uh, all of these ministries are headed by exceptional leaders. I do not personally lead every one of these ministries. They are all led by exceptional, visionary, self-starting, disciplined leaders who uh, do such a fantastic job of, of leading their ministries. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I do want to get into, you, you did mention restoration, restorative care. That is the question that we're going to get to in just a little bit. Um, but we've seen a lot of changes at ministerial care. You know, Bishop, you came in, uh, became our uh, liaison director, I think it was in 2016. And, you know, we always hear in ministry and, and you know, the pastoral retreats, those kind of things, talking about, you know, change, organizational change those kind of things. And in 2017, we had a pretty, uh, pretty big shift in how we operate. And you were able to kind of lead that and say, this is what we need to do. And I think really set us up to do what we're doing right now. I don't think you were thinking, let's do podcasts, let's do this, let's do, you know, but it, it has led to that and, and allowed us to be able to go in a direction and really be prepared for this time. I, nobody knew that we're going to be going through this in 2020 and 2017, no doubt about it. But I think it helped us because now we're doing online counseling. Uh, we've got a fresh coat of paint on the website. We have a website now. Uh, we're, we're on social media now. We're doing podcasts. We're, we're working with Lee, the seminary. We're, we're starting to see things begin to take place that we're no longer just in the crisis, but we're doing preventive work. And I just want to say thank you so much for that, that vision uh, and really allowing us to run with that. Well, I think the leaders before us have had a very strong vision for ministerial care. Uh, they, they go back so many years. There have been so many wonderful leaders. Uh, Dr. Bill Leonard uh, was an excellent leader. I love him so much. Received texts and exchanged texts with him every Sunday, uh, continuing. He's, he's a wonderful brother, leader. Uh, we have transitioned a little bit, getting into what we've done. I want to thank you and Raymond uh, and the people that you brought together to make that happen uh, because uh, you are there. And uh, again, it shows that we have exceptional leaders uh, in ministerial care. Well, you mentioned Dr. Leonard. He's a mentor of mine and I've learned a lot of my counseling um, through him. And of course, you know, the great Dr. Donnie Smith as well. And uh, we've really been fortunate because the groundwork and really the foundation was already there. And so uh, we're blessed. Did a, a wonderful job. He was really the leader of this division until his passing. Uh, and we miss him so much, but uh, a lot of his visions are being carried on now. Uh, that, that he saw in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and you know, we have Jeff with us, he, who has become a mainstay. He, you know, we're not going to let him go. 
He's, he, he brings too much to the table. Uh, of course, Raymond and I have been working together for close to a decade. That's hard to believe. Um, but it's, it's good to have him uh, be a part of this as well because I don't view him as – you're one of us, Jeff, whether you want to be or not. That's, that's an honor, and I appreciate your kind words and uh, inclusion uh, into this, this special ministry. And, and also, uh, Bishop Culpepper, thank you so much for those kind words. Um, we all know this, and we've talked to each other about this uh, in other contexts. It's God who's put this together, who's orchestrated it, and, and he really has. I had no business walking over there to talk to you guys about this idea uh, on my own and in my own volition, it, it's God who put it in my heart and it matched up with what he'd already put in your hearts and what you've been doing over there. And I, this is an amazing ministry um, a, as a son of the church of God, seeing what kind of work, wonderful work you're doing with families and what I get, my, my small part, getting to contribute to that and helping families and helping ministers uh, is just a wonderful privilege, and it really is a wonderful ministry, and uh, and, and so much more than what it what it has been known in the past as just being restorative ministry, which is a, a significant component and an important part. But there's so much more, and and we all know this that uh, mental health issues are on the rise, and uh, just because you're in a ministry, you don't get to avoid uh, or escape those types of problems, and. Uh, it, whether it's a mental health issue or you just need encouragement as a leader. Being a leader is difficult for all of us, all right? And we need encouragement and we need, some, and we need validation and we need, we need uh, uh, help. And so I think that's what's wonderful about this ministry. What, and again, I know I'm focusing just on that one element and what we do and what you guys do with the ministers themselves. And as Dr. Culpepper's already mentioned, all the wonderful other uh, uh, projects and, and, and elements to the, the, this huge division, but that right there is really at the center of what's in my heart is how we help help families and help the ministers. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Manis, I think, I think uh, or Tim, I, I think what Jeff brings to the table uh, is a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that brought him to us, uh, that enlarged, that enlarged our area but also he is the son of a pastors and uh, of a pastoral family, Lane Sargent, Judy Sargent are his parents and they are forever friends of Peggy and mine. And uh, he, he grew up in a pastor's home. So if anybody knows what it's like to be in a pastor's home, Jeff knows that. And uh, I think it's his care for pastors that brought him over here to, uh, to, to partner with us. And here's a PhD. Here's a guy uh, who is uh, leading a whole division at Lee University, a whole school, behavioral sciences, I think. So we, we have such a gift there. And uh, I, know, I know Raymond and Tim and I, all three, really appreciate that. Well, that, and that, that's what's wonderful, how God prepared this. I mean, I mean, how he's orchestrating this and that, you know, I have these wonderful colleagues over here with expertise in areas that I don't have, uh, but we're all in the same family, you know? And so it's just really, that's what we've done is, is God, uh, his spirit has inspired us to, to just get the family together and have conversations and, and to help one another because the resources are here. I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're physically only a mile or two from each other, actually, uh, 
our structures, but uh, we're all in the same family. And I have wonderful colleagues here across campus who are willing to serve and, and provide, uh, share their knowledge to, to help in ministry and various other ways. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Dr. Culpepper had mentioned about just your busy schedule, you know, you're not getting anything, you know, to help, you know, be a part of this, really. I mean, I did buy you a bobblehead for Christmas. You got your own bobblehead. So there was that. So, uh, I would you know. show it now, but it's, it's at home right now. I, I oh. it in my study. It's at home there. I'm sorry. But no, I can I see. Okay, good. But, uh, but also I thought you're doing this because you care. And, you, and like you said, you talk about your, your, your parents, by the way, for a moment, when I was a young minister in Alabama, struggling, just really having a hard time finding my way, was depressed, dealing with a very difficult time. Your mom and dad came in, preached for me, took me out to eat and really helped me in that moment. Um, I'll never forget that. It's amazing now how that's kind of come full circle. It's really interesting. It is so. beautiful, and, and I'm, I'm, of course, proud of them, but it, it, what they've, they've demonstrated to me is, is what we've all been taught uh, in Scripture, to, to, to really to care for one another. I mean, sometimes we say that, but, but to really do that, that, that's what I see here, and that's what I see with this ministry, and, of course, what I saw modeled at home, but I also saw at home how challenging it can be, you know, to be behind the doors as a, in a minister's home, wonderful family, my father, wonderful minister, uh, wonderful man of God, but he's human. And, and, and time to time, humans need help. And, and that's a credit to you, Tim, to, to reach out and say, hey, I need help. I think that's hard for us, especially in ministers and ministers' families to admit that we actually need care ourselves. It was not easy, I'll be honest with you. Uh, there's pride that comes along with that. Yeah. Um, you feel like you're a failure. You feel like, oh my goodness, they're going to think I'm not called. Um, not qualified, all of those thoughts come into your head. And it, it, I had to have help. I'll be honest with you. I wish I, I wish I could say I did it on my own. Uh, mm -hmm. But I had to have some people in my life that, that I respect and love very much kind of push me and say, you need help. And uh, I'm so glad that I did. And that's what, you know, Raymond, uh, uh, the other Raymond, uh, that's what being the church is about, isn't it? I know you, you do a lot of work with families that are dealing with crisis. And in those moments, we really need to help each other be able to come through some of those difficult times. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, uh, you know, I kind of do the restoration work, but it's similar. It's almost the same. What I do is I take what I used to do in just counseling that I did in Alabama for years and uh, just apply it. You know, part of the whole point of counseling is to partner with people in need and work with them, partner with them to help encourage them to grow as a person, to change where they need to change in order to get to the goals that they have for themselves. Um, and that's a ministry. When you really think about it, that is a ministry for people. Uh, and so it's not really a hard switch over. And, you know, like Dr. Sargent said, that, you know, people are people they're all going to need some help. I mean, I need help. You need help. Everybody at, from time to time is going to need somebody to come in and partner with them and help them to get through tough times. Uh, it's just a part of the reality of the world. Absolutely. We, we've alluded to counseling and I've talked about online counseling and we do in-house counseling. So if you, if you're a church of God minister and you're listening today and um, you need help, 
And, you know, you know, or you might just need someone to kind of say, you know, I just need to make sure I'm on the right track. I need, I need that information like Dr. Sargent was talking about. Uh, we are here for you. We're here for your family. We're here for your children if they should need it as they get older or even as younger. But feel free to give us a call. It's of no cost to you. Uh, this is provided to us by uh, the leadership in the Church of God because we believe in you. And it's confidential. And so I want you to be comfortable in knowing that you're going to get somebody that's going to care. Um, and that's going to help you, as, as Raymond was saying, partner with you to be able to establish goals, to get where we want to go, uh, to kind of help you in your ministry. You know, I've always said this to be true, and I, th I think it's true. You know, our, uh, hopefully, we can keep you in the game longer. Our goal is to come alongside you to help you continue the calling that God has for you in your life. And uh, we've, we've alluded to the fact of, of kind of restorative care. And that's one of the things ministerial care has been known for in the past is restoration. We just always thought, you know, automatically, okay, restoration and, and you know, what that entails. And so I want to ask uh, Dr. Culpepper for a moment, uh, what is your idea of restoration? When you, when you think of the term restoration, and then more specifically, uh, what Raymond is involved in as the restoration coordinator, what does that what does that look like? If you had to define it, kind of give us an idea of, of your thoughts on restoration. Well, I think restorative care is probably a better concept than just restoration because restorative care uh, runs the gamut all the way from someone who is beaten up or depressed and he slipped back a little bit from his best all the way to the negative end of that of a, of a minister who has quote lost his ministry uh, who has had some kind of failure and i think everything in between that is is what we do it's kind of like the time in my life uh, when my wife and i and my children and my church were all at odds uh, and we were not getting along very well. Uh, I went to see Dr. Paul Walker, who was always my mentor as, as I pastored for the 24, 25 years. I often had to go talk with him or call him on the phone. And I said, I, I, I drove to Atlanta. Peggy and I were just not, not doing well, bottom line. And my church was not doing well. So I went to see Dr. Walker and I said, Dr. Walker, Peggy, Peggy's just all out of sorts. Uh, we're, we're just not, we're just not working. And he said, well, Raymond, there's another woman in your life. And I was shocked because I knew really there was not another woman in my life. And for him to say it in that tone shocked me. And I said, no, 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 Dr. Walker, there's not another woman in my life. He said, there's another woman in your life, and that woman is Metropolitan Church of God. You are putting your church ahead of your wife and family. And boy, that was a wake-up call to me. Uh, and it changed so much of what I was doing with my, my family. Raymond does, probably has never heard that story, uh, but it changed. I started taking a day off. I promised my wife I wouldn't do church things on that day unless it were obviously an emergency, a death, a funeral, something. Uh, I started taking my children one-on-one -on -one out each 
uh, eat one, once a week. Uh, we would spend time together with each one of my children. And uh, that was restorative care because I had slipped off the track I should have been on. And, and restorative care runs all the way from, from uh, light all the way to drastic. So uh, that's what we're about. And I hope if there's somebody out there listening to us now, things are just out of sort, especially in this pandemic, that, that they can uh, find their way back. In fact, restoration itself is someone coming alongside, not just to restore your credentials, but to be a partner with you in helping you restore your life, restore your ministry, restore your relationship with your family. And that's what restorative care is really all about. Wonderful. And I want to, you know, Raymond, I want you to kind of jump in there and just really piggyback on what Dr. Culpepper was saying in regards to restoration, what it means to you. Uh, I think that's, uh, you know, what he's saying and what I was saying are, are, are very similar. And I think that's really the target area. Uh, now, with regard to how that's done, each case is a little bit different. Um, everybody needs a different type of thing. You know, when he went over and talked to Dr. Walker, Dr. Walker basically had a challenge for him, and it, and it allowed him to see where he needed to make corrections, and he needed to grow as a person, and re needed, uh, needed to kind of redefine what the priorities were uh, and build a better system for how he was taking care of those things. Uh, sometimes that's what you need to do. Uh, obviously there are credentials involved with what I'm doing and that is kind of the, the ultimate goal is to get back and, and do ministry again and do what God's called you to do. Uh, you know, part of the ministry that I have is, is dependent on every single person that goes through a restoration program with us because if people go through, if they finish the program and they're successful at rebuilding their life and their family and refocusing where they need and they get those credentials, you know, if they go and they build a, a you know, 200 member church, well, if there's 10 of those, that's a thousand people that are being reached, uh, that the Lord used this office and this ministry to enable. Uh, and so, the ministry that we have here is one of those kinds of ministries that you just, you never really know how big the impact is. You don't have to know. You just have the faith that it, that it's there. Uh, and, and you just understand that God is good and, and God is in control. You just do your part and be the instrument to help people to be restored. Love it. And you know, I could go in a lot of different directions with this, so I'm just going to keep it very short and simple here. But um, I love what both of you are saying in regards to restorative care. And I, I look at what I, we do in pastoral care as restorative. I mean, everything we, you know, we're there to help you. We're there, we're there to come alongside you to, uh, to be there for you because we believe in the calling that God has upon you in your life. We believe in your family. And um, that's what the church is there for. It's, it's to be a hospital for those of us that have been wounded, that are hurting, but it's also there to, for us to be there to celebrate with one another, to to have some joy and to have that kind of peace that we can only get uh, in Christ. And so 
Excellent stuff. And, and I think also you, you kind of alluded to this, Dr. Culpepper, about rest, being able to kind of step away, spend time with the family. I think sometimes in those moments we're struggling, especially in the church, and, and especially, and I'm going to direct this to Jeff for just a moment, when our identity is wrapped up into the church, you know, when, 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 and I'm, I, can, I remember that feeling. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to dig myself out of this. There's too many people watching. There's too much pressure. I'm going to look like a failure. And so instead of stepping back and redirecting my attention, like Dr. Culpepper was, was alluding to earlier that he had to do when he was younger, I just dug in. And we, and, and I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a psychological element to that, but we, we do that not just in ministry, but I feel like we do that in our work as well. And we just running on fumes at that point. Correct. It's, right. it's normal for us to identify with whatever we do and to identify with our relationships. But my question for us is, is how are you identifying? And so it's your ministry. How do you, how do you conceptualize your identity as a pastor? Do you see yourself as I'm the 24-7 guy or the 24-7 woman? Well, that in itself has some inherent problems right there because you cannot be the 24-7 person. Now, you may think that you are. You may want to, you may uh, strive to be that person, but you are also going to fail. You, you are setting yourself up for failure. So what, it, what is your identity? Is your church your sole identity? Is it your only identity? If so, you're going to set yourself up for failure. You can't live up to that expectation. Um, and so I think you question, why, why do I need to so identify with my occupation, with my vocation? Well, God's called me. Yeah, he has called you, but he hasn't called you just to that vocation. He's called you to so much more. I think it pastoral uh, uh, going way back uh, now 40 years ago in the first in the first uh, offings of that ministry I had a neurotic need to be needed uh, I don't know if all pastors have that need but I had that need and uh, I can give examples of that where, where I would just go, if someone died, <clears throat> I would go to their house and, and literally stay with them for days. Mm -hmm. uh, people had a marriage problem. I would just, just camp there with them. Uh, but I learned out of all of that. And part of what Dr. Walker told me impacted all that, that you can only just be you. You can just be you and be the best you you can be, but don't carry everybody else's monkey on your back. Mm -hmm. That's probably enough said there. Well, yes. Clint Eastwood said it in Dirty Harry, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. And you have to focus in on, on things that are within your limits. You know, hey, the, the, the podcast is just, this episode just really ratcheted up when you start mentioning Clint Eastwood. You know, uh, you know, we, we might want to throw some Kenny Rogers in there too. Hey, we, know, need, the we need a cigarillo, the little cigars. Hey, yeah, yeah, that that would get a lot of viewership real quick. Like, you, 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 you just lost dollars. <laughs> you guys better quit that. Yeah, yeah you just gonna... lost some of our viewers. Thanks. Yeah, I I think I'll we'll have to put two of you in restoration after this. <laughs> We're joking. We're joking. But you know what kind of 
sharing with what you guys were, were talking about. I'll never forget this. I was, when I was pastoring, I was a young pastor away from my family, you know, in Western Kentucky, never pastored before in my life, obviously, trying to act like I know what I'm doing. All right. Looking back, I was so green. But, you know, I got a phone call one time at three o'clock in the morning and it was a church member. And I set up and I said, hello, hello, hello. My wife looked at me and said, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I can't let them know that I was asleep. Mm-hmm. Now think about how crazy that is, that, that I did not want the person calling me at three o'clock in the morning from my church thinking that I actually slept or was asleep at three in the morning. It was, if, it was as if I was trying to, well, I was already up, I was already praying, you know, God had, you know, all those kind of things. And I felt guilty that I wasn't even right there at that moment, awake and alert to answer that phone call. And um, I don't even know if I remember, if it, I don't even think it was that much of an emergency. It was to them at the time. But, uh, but just the, the thinking process in that, and, and I think a lot of us get caught up in that, you know, I have to do this, I have to do this. But we need to remind ourselves we're not the only ones. You know, there's other people uh, uh, there to help us and we don't have to do everything and we don't have to do more than what God, uh, we sometimes feel like we have to do more than what God's going to do. And that's, you know, we could go a long way with that. Anybody else want to add anything before we kind of move on? Well, I'm always up shouting and and running through the the house at three o'clock. I don't know what was wrong with you that day. I mean, three o'clock is, that's happy hour. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And it, you know, if you're in youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, I, I would get a phone call at two thirty, three 3 o'clock in the morning from members of the youth just to say, Hey, just want to call and see how you're doing. I was thinking about you. So uh, anyways, um, let's, let's move on to the pandemic for just a moment, because obviously this is something that's facing a lot of our ministers and all of us have been impacted by this. We, you know, all of us have had people that have passed away or, or, or some way or another have struggled I feel like as a church, we're just really grieving in a lot of ways. 2020 has been one that we will remember, no doubt about it. Um, but I think there's things that we can glean from it as well. Bishop Culpepper, what, what are some of the challenges that you've seen? You know, you're the first assistant general overseer in the Church of God. You've got a huge portfolio. You've got a lot of responsibilities, a lot of things coming at you. Uh, you personally, what are some of the challenges that you've seen that 2020 has brought, this pandemic has brought in the area of leadership? I think, I think we always have to go back to the Word of God, uh, to the Bible. And Paul's writing, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, and we must always remember that our struggle is always against spiritual struggles. Now, we have physical struggles. We have a pandemic going on, but we have to remember that behind everything that happens negative to impact our ministries and our lives, there is that component. And when you read Ephesians chapter two, verse one through three, you see what that component is made of when it talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we have to remember the devil doesn't make everything bad happen. 
Uh, he is not omniscient. He is not omnipotent. He's not everywhere. We often say, well, the devil did this, or the devil wants you to do that. Well, often it's not the devil. It is a sphere of influence of the devil, true. But sometimes it's just the flesh. Sometimes it's the world that we live in. But all of these things combine together to make up those those spiritual entities that come against us. And, and in first John chapter two, I think verse 16, the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. We have these huge entities out here and now we have a pandemic. So I think what I have to do with that pandemic is to look at it in an organized way that to me, it hits, it hits what I do in four ways. If I'm a pastor, it hits me personally. It hits my family. It hits my church. And ultimately it, it hits the community that I'm called to minister into uh, personal family, church, and my community. And I have to start with myself. If, if I'm looking at the pandemic and this spiritual world that is my reality from the word of God, not from me, from the word of God, this spiritual world that overshadows this physical world, what I have to do is first of all, examine myself, look objectively as, at what I'm dealing with. Uh, this week, I heard Dr. Mark Williams at North Cleveland uh, give a perfect illustration of that. He said when he was 16 years old, his father had a medical emergency. His father was hospitalized, could have lost his life, did not. But Mark had just gotten, or maybe he was 15 and had not yet gotten his driver's license, just had his learner's permit, something in that time frame. And he was called upon to drive his father and mother to their home. And in that long distance drive, they were hit with a fog bank. And that fog was so thick, all of us can relate to that. It was so thick, zero visibility, that he could not see anything except the lines next to the car on the right and the left. No vision, no perception, just seeing only where he was at that instant. And that is where pastors are today in this pandemic. We're in a fog. It's zero visibility. We can't see where we're going. We can't see where we've been. We can only see the here and now. And so often, personally, that is filled with isolation, anxiety, depression. So often that is filled with fear. It's filled with grief and death. So that this all pushes in around us and then it forms temptation. Temptation to do things or to say things that medicate all of these attacks against us so that we're trying to to do, to, to, to do coping mechanisms 
and beyond coping mechanisms just to do things that medicate all of these, all of this ambiguity that's going on in our lives. So we don't know what to do. And so often in this sense of isolation, we forget that every other pastor out there is feeling this same thing. There are no spiritual giants out there slaying, slaying the giants because we're all in this fog. We don't know about what our vision is going to take us. And that's the personal fog. Then there's the family crisis. And we struggle so much with our families. Uh, and then there's the church crisis. It, it seems that it's so hard to pastor churches when conflict and complaints. Uh, in fact, in one, in one research I read from, uh, from the Baptist organization, complaints and conflict in churches was the number one uh, problem that pastors are wrestling with in their churches. That spills over into our lives. And then looking at our communities, what, what has happened recently with, with all of the turmoil in our nation, all the racial unrest, all of the incredible violence, all of the division, so that even good Christians are divided politically between Democrats and Republicans and whatever else. And then there are the conspiracy theories. Good gracious. Uh, the mark of the beast, the coming of the Lord, the deep state. Uh, and you mix all that in a soup and you pile it on the pastor and his family. And the next thing you know, we feel like we're so isolated in that fog. And it, it breaks my heart, but I think there are things we can do to deal with that. But that's the world, I think, that, that many pastors are living in today. Oh, and, and there's also the worry in our churches about, will our finances be enough to pay the bills or to pay me a salary or to meet the mortgage? You pile all of that together, and uh, it's, it's a dangerous thing to be in ministry. But here's, here's the, the truth. Back to the word, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And he who is in me has brought, has brought people like you, Dr. Sargent, Raymond, and others into our lives to help us get through this fog. We don't have to stay isolated and alone. There's somebody out there that we can talk to. And I think ministerial care is that place. Wow. You know, you mentioned a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff there, uh, Dr. Culpepper, and I think it was Dr. Smith or maybe it was, uh, Dr. Leonard that, that said this, but I'm going to, I'm going to borrow it or steal it, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, but whenever there's a crisis, whenever there's struggle, the level of care increases, it doesn't decrease. And if, if that's you and you're hurting and you're, you're you don't see a way out or you're struggling, 
if you're not Church of God, please, 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 you might be a leader, a pastor in another uh, denomination, you might be non-denominational, whatever the case may be, I urge you, I plead with you, please. It is a sign of strength to ask for help, not a sign of weakness. And I believe those of us who are willing to do that are able to find that strength. We were made for community. We were made for that. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're part of our movement, part of our church, please reach out to, to other uh, ministers in the area if you need to. Reach out to your state office. Reach out to someone that may not even be Church of God, a friend, a colleague, somebody. And, and if you need to, give us a call. That's why we are here. We, we, we exist to serve you, to help you. Do, Jeff, do you want to add anything to what Bishop was saying there? No, I don't think I can. It was wonderful uh, and encouraging. I mean, my, my summary statement's this. We are created for relationship with God, and we're created for relationship with one another. Use the relationships that God has given you. Uh, the ones who God has placed in your life, turn to them. It's, you said it's not, a, I think it's a weakness not to reach out. That is the weakness. And you've got the ministerial care here, and it, you, you, don't, you don't have to wait until things have all fallen apart for you. Turn to the ministerial care now. Turn to the people that God has placed in your life. And as, uh, as the bishop was talking about earlier, too, about a mentor, if you don't have a mentor, now is the time to go create one. Go create that relationship. Don't wait for the mentor to come to you. Reach out. We need each other. Good stuff, Raymond. You know, we've, we've done this for a while now, and we've, we have seen miracle after miracle after miracle take place. We won't get into details of, obviously, for confidentiality reasons. We're not going to do that. Um, but it's amazing that whenever you, you know, I get excited when I see someone come to us, and they're here, and they're wanting to get here, and you can start to see them get to their goals and, and get to that point uh, where they are. They're honestly probably healthier than they've ever been in their life. Because for the first time, they realize, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I think we've talked about that. You, you see that quite often, don't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've talked a lot here and a lot of the, the things that were said are inspiring. I may not wait until three o'clock tonight to start shouting. I might, might go ahead and do it if that continues. But uh, look, I mean, we all know that Satan is the father of all lies. Right now, the number one go-to is the lie that says you're alone and nobody cares. Um, that is where we lose the battle, is between our ears. It's That's something that my father was talking about, about uh, the things that we struggle against. A lot of those things are happening right here. And when you start believing that you're isolated, you're cut off, nobody cares, other pastors right now are thriving. They've got it all together. They're not even in a pandemic, uh, you know, and, and you're thinking, well, I mean, if they were that great, maybe they ought to get to work on this COVID thing and get rid of that for us. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that piggybacking on what they said is the key. And that is you're not alone. There are resources that can be applied here. Um, we do want to help when you feel that way. Uh, to try and work through that fog. Yeah, and you know, and along those lines, also, you, we know not every minister is going to call us. That's fine. Um, yeah, we don't expect that. But follow our Facebook page. Be sure to share it. Uh, read some of the articles that we put on there. Some of the recommendations. Listen to the podcast. 
follow it. We're going we're gonna to have some conversations coming up. We've got Dr. Harold Bowman going to be with us talking about spirit care and retired ministers and how this has impacted our retired ministers. Uh, we've got uh, Bishop Wayne Doherty, state overseer or, t- or administrative bishop of the uh, state of Tennessee, going to be with us. Going to talk about sabbaticals and, and how he views that and the importance of that and, and taking a Sabbath for our ministers. These are great resources for you to have. I listen to all kinds of podcasts and read all kinds of books. And I'm just going to go around the horn before we close this thing up. Uh, Jeff, any parting gifts before we uh, finish this episode? Yes. And like uh, suggestions, ideas? Suggestions, yeah. You want any, any words of wisdom from the uh, uh, Dr. Sargent today? You know, it, 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 we've already highlighted it's your relationships, and it's your relationships that are going to sustain you through this, and it's up to you to cultivate those relationships. Another thing that you can do as a professional, as a leader, as a person of God, is to, to, to consider this question. What are you reading? In addition to the God's word, what are you reading? What's stimulating your mind? Uh, good books, good relationships are going to sustain us through this uh, most unique time. And again, that's not, exclu- that's not to the exclusion. That's in addition to the word of God and your relationship with God. Absolutely. Good stuff. Raymond, uh, any final thoughts? No, I would just echo all of that. And I would also just throw in, you know, it kind of reminds me when we did a uh, a video, or I think it was actually even a seminar that we did about the pandemic ministry in the pandemic. I think one of the big things that came out of that, that I really kind of stuck on, it keeps coming back uh, that, you know, the more we are in this pandemic time period, uh, and that's going to be the 800 pound gorilla in everybody's life. I think that one of the things that was really key coming out of that was that one of the things that they did in New York in the spring was they started reaching out to each other, the pastors, reaching out to each other and creating chat rooms and talking to each other. Uh, and, And they basically, they recreated their community with each other. Uh, and I think that that was a, a tremendous thing that helped them to get through the, uh, the early onset when it was really hitting New York hard. And I think there is a lot of medicinal uh, properties in pastors doing something like that now, uh, reaching out to each other, you know, not gossip chat rooms like you have that are just more toxic than anything else, uh, but reaching out to each other and talking about what are some of the creative ways that they have tried to make ends meet? What are the ways that they have tried to minister to people that have been uh, successful? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, continue to reach out, find ways to recreate that community. I'm going to send it to Bishop Culpepper uh, to to take us home. Final thoughts. uh, Give us something that our pastors can can use that's listening. And if you don't mind, uh, Bishop, um, after you do that, uh, close us out with a word of prayer for everybody. Thank you, Tim. Uh, well, I can I can enumerate a few things, but number one, I think, is to keep your relationship current with God. Uh, that includes our Bible time, and and these are not cliches. That includes our prayer time. <clears throat> that includes our thinking time. Uh, not to allow 
the news networks or church members or overstressed family members to steal that quiet, important quiet relationship we have with God. Guard that, keep that strong. And I find that I do that primarily through my prayer life. Uh, I learned that through my mother who had, uh, I think she had a 28 point prayer plan. I don't have one that long and I'm surely not perfect. I don't want anybody to think that a, that a prayer plan makes you perfect, but I've developed a prayer plan, a prayer, a prayer plan over the years. That prayer plan is basically twofold. I pray the Lord's prayer very often. And I also have a 10 point prayer plan that I pray usually a couple of times a day. Uh, and you don't have to be kneeling. You don't have to go in and close the door behind you. You can, but just to get you started in prayer. Uh, and my prayer plan includes my family. There are 15 of us. That's number one on my list. Number two on my list is for wisdom. Number three is for faith. Number four is for courage. Number five is to help me be a soul winner. Number six is for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit and my family to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray number seven for the, the church to be given laborers for the harvest. I pray number eight for God to give us resources to reach out. Number nine for God to give us favor with him, that our favor with the Lord is where it needs to be. And number 10, that we have favor with people. Now, that's just a personal prayer plan along with the Lord's Prayer. But if, if I can develop that kind of meaningful, not just rote, but meaningful prayer where I can get into that, then I don't have to worry about getting into prayer. I don't have to worry about distractions. I don't have to worry about Facebook stealing my time. I know where I'm going in my prayer life. And then after I go there, the Lord can lead me other places. So I think prayer and, and scripture, I think it's also important to remember that I'm not alone in this. Every pastor is struggling with, with the same family things, the same personal things. Every pastor is wondering now that 40 to 60% of my congregation are gone. They were online but about half of them now have dropped offline. They're not online with us anymore on Sunday. Where'd those people go? Did they go to some other, some other slick service someplace? What about the future? What about my money? Uh, so that, that, that I need to know I'm not alone in this. It's, it's not okay. It's not good but I'm not isolated. I'm not alone. And the third thing I think is very important is to use this time for enrichment. Uh, Dr. S Dr. Sargent said, our reading is so important. And Raymond mentioned my books while ago. I'm in my study now. I have so many books from every subject you can imagine. Uh, and I think it's so important for us to stay, to stay as, as learners, 
my favorite book of all times for leadership. This is my special copy that I bought 30, 40 years ago that I have read, reread many times. This is the updated copy of that same book. It's called Spiritual Leadership, J. Oswald Sanders. You can get this book online. It's, it's one of the most incredible, time-enduring books I've ever read about leadership. Uh, there are other people I like to read. Sam Chan uh, has written a book called Leadership Pain. Uh, I read that book, and I'm refreshed to know that I'm not the only one feeling this pain as a leader. Uh, I like to read Leonard Sweet. There's an old book, 16 years old, that Lynn Sweet, uh, he is an acquaintance of mine, not a close friend, but Lynn Sweet wrote this book called Summoned to Lead. Uh, and in this book, he talks about leadership and how that a real leader is the person, not who's called a leader, but the person who is faced with circumstances and rises to the occasion. That person is the leader. Uh, obviously, to, to stay in my, my Bible, the Word of God is the ultimate. So I need to, to read and, and do those things. Also, I need to make, I need to make family memories. Use this, this downtime to make family memories for family meals. Uh, Peggy and I, in recent weeks and months, have gone back to the old programs uh, on TV some at night. I Love Lucy. We laugh. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, the old Dick Van Dyke, black and white, black and white Lucy. We just find ourselves laughing at that. Uh, we, we need to keep cultivating something in our, in our lives. So, uh, and, and also I would say if there's somebody out there struggling, really struggling, call ministerial care. Let us help you. We're here to help. We do care. This is not a show. This is not a podcast for, for pride. It's guys on this call saying we do care. We've been there and maybe we can help. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your wonderful grace. Thank you, Father, that you care for every single one of us. And thank you that your care goes by your Holy Spirit to our hearts. Thank you for the Office of Ministerial Care. Thank you for Dr. Sargent, Dr. Tim Manis, Raymond Culpepper. Thank you, Father, that we are throughout this world called to be your servants. And as your servants, all the weight is not on us, but you said, cast your care upon me because I care for you. Give us a championship attitude to get up one more time than we fall down. Give us the vision in this fog to see beyond the fog to when the sun is shining again. And your anointing is resting upon us. Father, you've been with us through the night. And you will be with us through the radiant sunshine. 
We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this uh, special time today. We will see you next time with Dr. Harold Bowman. And for Raymond, Dr. Culpepper, Dr. Sargent, myself, Tim Manis, God bless and have yourself a wonderful day.